Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today and the opportunity I have to get to share what I believe you want me to articulate to your people, Father God. I count that a privilege. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, you know where each and every one of us is in this room and online today. Meet them where they're at because you are the Almighty God and let some of this message touch them in any way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. So the title of my message today is Don't Forecast in Fear. It is encouraging, by the way, by the time we get to the end of this. But don't forecast in fear. Forecasting is not a bad thing. We'll see today in a little bit through Scripture that Jesus even forecasted. Uh, We'll see the Apostle Paul forecasted as well. Um, You just don't want to forecast in fear. Right? I think we forecast more on our daily lives than we realize as well, and we'll see some of that today. The definition of forecasting is to predict or estimate a future event or trend linked to an outcome. So forecasting looks at symptoms, evidences, and makes projections of what they could mean. Uh, I've grown up in New England all my life, and one of the um, running jokes was that a a very um, unstable job in New England is to be a weather forecaster, right? Because, I mean, we're at the end of the jet stream and all that funky stuff. I don't know all the scientificness of it. But, again, it's hard to predict the weather. Mark Twain said, right? He said, if you don't like the weather right now in New England, wait a minute, right? We know that one too, right? Um, You know, storms have come into our lives and will continue. We know that as Christians, right? It's biblical. When I mean storms today, I'm defining them as big disruptions in your life. That may mean a negative outcome. You know, we hear and we we hear and see many negative things in our lives that build these symptoms, these evidences that could generate into a storm in our life. Uh, If we forecast in fear as Christians, we open the door for possible more damage and more needed repair than growth in our Christianity that can come through life doesn't mean storms don't come, but we know as Christians, fear, forecasting and fear has some very serious spiritual things attached to it that will affect our physical world around us, right? I'm not talking about entertainment fear, the roller coaster, the scary movie type of things. I do like roller coasters, by the way, but I could never get through scary movies. I think life itself is kind of unpredictable, although it's never unpredictable, right? These scary movies, all that, you know, you know somebody's going to die, right? In these scary movies. But I'm talking about real fears that have really been probably manufactured from our past, our childhood, contaminated relationships, financial struggles, our past. And usually they come back to our present because we forecast them and something happens There's a saying, I think it's in the Christian world, the saying that says, fear is false evidence appearing real. I think it's a sticky note that I'm going to put on the back of my refrigerator. I don't agree with that, especially in the context today. Uh, It's real evidence. It's not false evidence. Those clouds are forming. There's precipitation in the air. Maybe a little lightning here and there. That's real evidence, these things in your life. 
very real, and they appear real. So I really don't understand that statement. However, the amazing thing that we know as believers, right, is that because we serve an amazing God, he can turn anything into good. Whether it's bad evidence or good evidence, he has us. I don't want to really glory in fear today, but I think especially what we've been through recently with the perfect storms of COVID and other things that we're continuing to surfing through, uh, we can get very comfortable in fear sometimes. And as Christians, I would warn you, because sometimes when you get too comfortable with something, you begin to serve it. And when you begin to serve it, you become a what? A slave to it, right? And you don't even realize that. And I'm growing in this too. Somebody needs to get that, right? Um, I'm growing in this too. I mean, this is challenging me, what I'm talking about today, where I've took an appraisal and inventory of how many times I may be forecasting in fear. And we don't do it intentionally. Here's one great example. I mean, it's a lighthearted example somewhat. So say it's a beautiful day. You're walking out of your house. You're going to get the mail. You're going on vacation in a few weeks, right? So you're whistling. The birds are singing. Everything's beautiful. You open that mailbox, and there's only one envelope in there. And it's just sitting there staring at you. You take that envelope out, right? So, whoa, I don't know where this is from. Feels like a bill. Everybody knows what a bill feels like. There's no weight really to it, right? But you just know it's a bill. You you open it up. Symptoms are moving. Evidence is moving. You're starting to look at it. What's going on? You open it up, and sure enough, it's a bill with a few zeros added to the back of it. You have evidence there that you were not expecting. And you know what the name of the storm is? We ain't going on vacation in a few weeks. That's the storm, right? You're starting to predict and fear what this means to your immediate surroundings and situations. But that's just an example, one example of forecasting and fear. Again, back to what I said, the more we forecast in the fear, the more comfortable we can get towards fear. And as Christians and believers, it's not a God design. It's not a God design. We are living in crazy times. We know that. But not surprising times, right? There's a difference as believers, right? How many of you have a crazy person in your family? Do not raise your hands. And if you raise two of them, you may have two of them, all right? When that crazy person does something crazy, you're not too surprised sometimes. If somebody's sitting here and says, I don't have a crazy person in my family, well, you may get that on the way home. Yeah, it may be you, yeah. So you just don't know. Take inventory there. So again, we can't be surprised when crazy things are going on around us and we begin to forecast in fear. You know, I believe, um, and we're going to go through a few things. I think I have six of them. I believe fear knocks at your door. We've heard that before. It's not my invention. It knocks at your door. It's usually the enemy. Sometimes it's your own fault, but it's usually the enemy. And it's up to you if you invite that fear in, right? So I want to break some knocks down, these type of knocks. There's going to be external knocks we're going to talk about and internal knocks in the next few minutes. Right? The external you don't have as much as control over, but the internal you do. So here's three external knocks. One, the unknown. Two, insecurity. Three, rejection. Let me break this down. The unknown 
is not knowing what tomorrow will bring. It's pretty easy, right? For my family, friends, that dark space that may be out there that I need to avoid. Here's a quick story I, I tend to like about the unknown. I'm going to build by doing this. There once was this criminal who committed a crime because that's what criminals do. Anyway, he was sent to the king for his punishment. The king told him he had two choices for punishment. He could be hung by a rope or taken to what's behind the big, dark, scary, mystery iron door. The criminal quickly decided on the rope. As the noose was being made and put around the criminal's neck, uh, the criminal asked, by the way, asked to the king who was in front of, just out of curiosity, what's behind the door? The king laughed and says, you know, it's funny. I offer everyone the same choice and nearly everyone picks the rope that you're about to see that's around your neck. So the criminal said, well, tell me, tell me what's behind the door. I mean, obviously I won't tell anyone. He said, pointing to the noose around his neck, the king paused and then answered and said, freedom. But it seems most people are so afraid of the unknown that they immediately take the rope. So what are the unknowns in your life? What are they? What are they? We live in a culture that wants certainty at every moment of time, which is the opposite of unknown. And we can buy into that and surf into that at some point. So much of this that the culture has made manufactured fear, even at the risk of creating more fear. For example, think of technology. In this thing, this iPad, I can't solve world peace, but I can do a lot of things probably with this iPad. And you know what that is? It's the ability to make me feel that I have more control over my life, more organizational, more everything. I'm not talking about medical advancement. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But just simple technology. Notice it's to make your life convenient. Is it to make your, and I'm not against this. I have an iPad, iPhone, but, hey, but just follow me. Is it to make your life so convenient that you don't have any unknowns in your life? Careful. We get too dependent on needing to know everything around us in the capital W world, even good and evil. Sound a little familiar from the Eden, right? Got to be careful. If this technology can provide a false sense of certainty. But I know in my life a few times, God has done the opposite. He actually has worked in my unknowns many times, right? When I didn't think any, I didn't know, I had no certainty of something and had my faith into something, he actually worked in it. So that unknown, be careful. You use a lot of those things that are trying to have you less unknown things with this technology that you have. Again, I'm not going Quaker on you, but be very careful, okay? Because it's making you more certainty about your daily life and everything. The other thing, number two, knocking on your door externally, insecurity. It's kind of like a gnome, but it's more focused on me, myself, and I. I really believe at the beginning of COVID-19, there was that internal quiet split of the church, not just here, but everywhere. You had people that were, and I'm being very sincere, but this is truth. You had people that were being very scared and fearful of COVID-19. It's real. I'm not being insensitive. 
But when you're walking around, and I'm not being insensitive, with five masks, a hazmat suit to go pump gas, fear is controlling you. I've seen it. It's not good, and I'm not being insensitive because I'm not done offending. Now you have the other expe- other spectrum of the church that said, I'm insecure and fearful of me losing my God-given rights. I ain't doing any COVID pro- protocol. A little quiet. Insecurity, fear. Devil uses insecurity beautifully to cause split, isolation, and eventually desolation, Right? He used it. Again, we're all frustrated with masks. We are. But there's been a split at the beginning of COVID for that. And that's out of fear, forecasting in fear to some degree on one side or the other. And it's all self-driven. Jesus was very clear in addressing insecurity and unknowns. We know the scripture well, and I'll go through it. Matthew six twenty six. Verse 34. We know this all well. Matthew, thank you. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? There's only 24 hours, right? And why do you worry about the clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor and spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon and all his splendor was dressed like one of these, meaning the beauty that he created, God. If that is how God clothes the grasses of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you and me? You, a little of faith. We can stop there because I need to move around. So we see God knows and is in control of things. Another insecurity is the loss of your own life. Not a loved one, but yours. Leaving this physical world. It's serious. None of us want to die, right? Let's be honest. I'm not trying to be insensitive again, (laughs) but the reality is if Jesus doesn't If Jesus tarries for a long, long time, none of us get out of this life alive. Just a secret, right? We don't. So so know that. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, put that up there. Paul talks about this uncertainty. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body. So he even preferred it. He's been in the presence of God and be rather than be at home with the Lord. So that reassurance that we shouldn't be insecure in the fear of physical death. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, too, 55 through 57. Where, O death, is your victory? We spoke about victory here in our worship service today. Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God... He gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So as we know, when Christ hung on that cross for our salvation, we don't have to experience death anymore. Psalms 23, 4, again, talking about insecurity of losing our physical life. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You're, and here's a forecast David's giving. He's forecasting for you. 
are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I know in other translations it says shadow of death. It's just a shadow. You know, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane towards his last days, we know this. He started, fear was knocking at his door. Not because he didn't want to save us unperfect humans, but the reality that he was going to deal with a physical death, I believe. And yet how, with knowing what he was forecast to the cross, he knew what was happening. How could he get back up and do what God wanted him to do? Very side note, another sermon, but he surrendered. Surrender to your fear. Surrender that. Because once you submit your surrendering of him, surrendering to God, it gives God the ability to grow the ability in you. So those are the three external knocks, right? The unknowns that can make us start forecasting in fear. Knock, knock, knock. Insecurity, knock, knock, knock. And then the final one is rejection. We are designed to desire acceptance. That's how God designed us. How, is, how are we so drawn to God in the Garden of Eden? Because he accepted his design and wanted a relationship with us, right? So he wants, we have in our nature to be accepted. But I believe as Christians, as more storms start forming in our culture, even in the church, even in our other daily lives, God wants, excuse me, Satan wants to leverage if you've had rejection in your life with relationships and different things like that, he's going to also leverage that rejection so you will not grow in Christ and be a witness for him. And with these times coming, we got to know this. There's a world out there that's not ready to hear you witness for Christ. We know that. But if Satan can continue to make you think that you are just saved and Jesus is your Savior and he is not your Lord, because lordship means you're becoming obedient to him and doing his will and help building his kingdom, he's got that easy zone and he can continue to knock at your door to say, don't witness to anybody, don't share your faith. You're just going to get rejected. You're just going to get rejected. I once thought that building his kingdom, again, I'm a little slow with things. You guys already know this stuff, but I thought building his kingdom one time, my, my mental vision was I had a tool belt on, all right? And I'm helped building bricks to build a temple, to build a sanctuary, to honor God, right? Almost sounds like religion. But over the time, building his kingdom is hugging the hurting, meeting the needs of people, loving those who don't deserve to be loved, including me at sometimes, right? That's building his kingdom on earth, and that's what Satan doesn't want you to do and witness for people. I'm not telling about preaching in a side corner because your proximity of witnessing is upon the, the time and distance that you have. So your witnessing for the gentleman or the lady who drops your Sunday paper off is a different proximity of witnessing for the coworker you sit next to Monday through Friday. You have better time and space. But as we know, and sometimes I learn the hard way, some of our witnessing is not with our mouth. 
It's by our actions. People are watching. You're witnessing more than you think you are sometimes with the people around you. Jesus forecasted this. It wasn't a fear of forecast, but it was a, f- a forecast of reassurance. He said in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So it's not you. So he's reassuring and making that forecast. Don't be afraid to represent Christ because the light will always overcome the darkness. But that's that external knock of fear to forecast what culture says this and that and won't accept and even say there's a God. Stay strong and don't listen to that fear and don't forecast in fear. All right, so here's three internal knocks. This we have a little bit more control of in our life. Again, knocks that are getting you to get in fear and forecast in fear. One is your emotions. Yay, exciting, right? Emotions are good. They're God-designed, but they're unchecked. They can go down some interesting roads that lead to destructions, right? Fear is ignited by emotions. It's important to understand that. Paul talks about this in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, right off the bat. He deals with it. Philippians 4. Don't be anxious. That's part of an emotion, folks, about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's as far as we'll go right now. And the peace of God, that's all important, but I need to move along. So take inventory of what your emotional IQ is in life, right? Because that can spark fear in your life if you're very emotional driven. Second internal knock. Trigger things in your life. What triggers fear, right? They can be uh, sights and sounds that triggers fear. For me, I had this college professor, economics college professor, and he was a harsh, harsh professor, but I appreciate some of that now. But when somebody says to me in a loud voice, do you understand? Immediately, the fear (laughs) puts me back in the second row of the spitting vicinity of this economics teacher yelling at me. Do you understand? I did pass economics, but it was still a journey to get through. But that was a trigger. That's a trigger if you hear these things. What about this? You got, don't worry if you have the right answer. We're allowed to watch movies occasionally. What movie is that? Jaws, right? Here's another one. Darth Vader. So both these things that you just said, they're here to trigger fear, and you haven't even seen the, the issue yet. You didn't see the fish yet. You didn't see Darth Vader about to strangle you. You didn't see any of that. But these are triggers, audible triggers. Triggers. Well, that's not a fear because he won most of them, right? But you still, you got hit up a few times. So what other things can trigger fear in your life? Hanging around negative people. Mm. The sky is falling. This has happened. That's happening. And then when you happen to stumble into the news, like, oh, my gosh, yes, my friend told me that. Triggers that. And everything goes south, you know. Never mind that God's still on the throne. But these little negative people can do that to you and trigger things in you. You need to be careful. Finally, the third internal knock is when we practice worst-case scenarios. It's knocking. 
Some information is in front of you. Oh, gosh, that's going to happen. That's worst case scenario. Could you play that video, please? Thank you. How was work? Nothing unusual. Email was down again. And uh, Bill called me into his office again. What's wrong? Nothing, really. He just thinks he can come down and fit in with these blue-collar guys. You know, he's white-collar. Or you've done something wrong again, and you're getting in trouble. And you'll get demoted, then you'll stop shaving, there goes my vacation. Maybe you'll even get fired. And then you'll do that lazy thing and I'll have to go back to work. And there goes the house. We had plans for this house. We'll be living out of our car or out of the street and eventually we'll be forced to move in with your mother. How was your day, Kim? Well, Dana's having a party Friday night and I thought I could go. But before you freak out, it's not going to be that big of a deal. I mean, y'all guys know this. You're a great kid, but there's no stopping the peer pressure. It just takes one sip and you're hooked. And then there's the smoking and the piercings and the tattoos and the boys. Even good boys don't have good intentions, never mind the bad boys. Oh, and you'll go straight for one of the bad boys and he'll introduce you to all the bad things and you'll get pregnant and drop out of school and we'll never see you again. And we'll be stuck with your kid. What about you, Mom? I've been considering taking up string art. No. Des has been doing some really wonderful things with it. You can do anything with string. Did you know you can make refrigerator magnets? Everyone knows string art is a gateway crack. You'll start knitting and making me hats and scarves and sweaters and making me wear those sweaters. And you'll stop dyeing your hair and get those grandma glasses and you'll want a cat, which will kill my allergies and probably lead to more cats. And you'll want to make things and bring it to my class and embarrass me in front of all of my friends. Is this a cat hair? So, no, please. So, some of you laughing, that might have been you at the dinner table. I know I was laughing a little bit. But those worst-case scenarios, we practice on that. It begins just to make us forecast and fear to things that probably will never happen in life. And even if they do happen, we serve an amazing God that we go through storms with together. All right, so I've we've talked about fear enough today. All right, we've glorified in that fear. You guys all got that. I can move on. All right, don't do it. All right, great. So here's, a, we'll go to a recipe. Let's say we're baking a cake, and that cake has to be how to avoid to cast, uh, excuse me, forecasting in fear. So this is a recipe that will help you do what God wants you to do in the design of being more an effective believer on this face of the earth. So this one's easy, right? What's the opposite of fear? Faith. faith. So forecast in faith. Sounds simple, doesn't it, right? <laughs> but just forecast in faith. Uh, you know, faith is not denouncing the evidence and the elements that are swirling around you. Faith is looking at the same things that fear was. However, because of the God we serve, it's projecting a better outcome in your life, right? Faith, unlike fear, has your best interest. And that sounds simple, but sometimes we forget that. 
So even if you have, even if you're in a storm now, which many of us are too, continue to forecast or change patterns and forecast in faith because that opens the door for not the enemy, but God to move through you and to have you come through the storm and survive, the, not just survive the storm, but thrive through the storm. You know, that's one of the things of why our lights will shine, not because it's a sunny day as Christians and we say all the right words and words that rhyme to make somebody get convicted. They look at us on how we're handling our storms too, all right? And being that light in that. So obviously we know the scripture, Second Corinthians 5, 7, if we're, if we're forecasting in faith, we know that we walk by faith and not by sight, right? Not by the gray clouds that are around us right now. Faith leads to God's plan and promises no matter what the elements are saying elsewise. You know, we hear from this pulpit many times, continue to exercise your faith, and that is great. Continue to exercise your faith on a sunny day, a stormy day, a rainy day, whatever day. Continue to exercise your faith. And I'm not talking about the egocentric type of faith for the best parking spot in the mall, but the real one that matters in how following Christ, your health, your relationships, and all these important things. Exercise your faith in that because God wants to work in that. I don't think this is controversial, but can faith overcome fear? I'm going to say in the context of what I'm saying, I'm glad you didn't answer. I don't think it can. Because here, follow me, what I am saying here. They are two separate forecasts. Sometimes we believe that faith will overcome fear, but if you're forecasting in fear, you can't forecast in two places at the same time. Does some of that make sense? Like options, and I love options, especially in ice cream shops, but I don't need options in my life of serious things. I don't want a fear option in my life, okay? So we're building a cake here. I didn't, ice cream and cake, I didn't get that, but now there, yeah, a lot of sugar stuff I'm about here. So, but anyhow, so here's the other recipe, and I think we'll get this in the scripture, uh, these few scriptures, um, how to eliminate the option of fear. Again, we're baking this cake. The main ingredient, I think, is, and again, I'm, we'll come back to faith in a second, is in these two scriptures. And these is from Jesus, the Lord and Savior we follow. Can you put up 1 John 4.18? How are we going to get rid of fear? We know this, but it's really the first default. Can you go to 1 John 4.18? I'll read it because I know we need to move along. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So how am I going to deal with my fear? Find this perfect love. It doesn't say have much faith and that will cast out your fear. We need faith. Please, this is Faith Christian Center. I'm not, we'll get, I'm not saying we discount that. But some of us run to cry and increase our faith when we forget that we haven't even walked or received the perfect love that God has given us yet. And that's what's eliminating that option that I don't want in my life. Romans eight thirty eight through 39. I'm just going to start reading. For I am convinced, this is Peter, he's convinced that neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, that's every power on this physical earth, neither heights or deaths nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from what? 
this powerful thing that's above all, the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So that would dissipate fear. We need to walk more, and some of you may have this, so I'm talking to myself. We need to more, walk more and more receiving just how much God loves us because those fear will not creep into your life and get contaminated. God's perfect love does not land on you the first or two days you become a Christian, and it really never does. You know why? Because he wants you to continue to draw near to him so he can draw near to you. So if I'm serving a God that has unconditional love, that must mean I'm serving a God that has unlimited love too. And that perfect love will wipe any power the enemy wants to pull against you and forecast in fear. That's what we need to run to. That's what we need to receive. And then we can forecast in faith and be effective. If we don't fully know the perfect love of the Father, how really effective is our faith? Two more things of a part of this recipe that we're building for a cake. It's a heavenly cake, by the way, so there's no calories or sugar. Pray. We know that. That's got to be all default, too. Pray. If fear starts creeping in, those knocks that we talked about, pray. Pray. You have authority. Jesus has given you authority through what he did on that cross. And you know the next thing? And you just said it. Whoever said that? The next ingredient, raise a hallelujah. In the middle of the storm, too. In the beginning of a storm. Whatever time. There's that song from Bethel, which is so important. I raise a hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies. Those enemies are not physical because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Those are the cancers that's trying to come in, the fear in your mind. Those are your enemies against God's will in your life. Raise that hallelujah. That is such an important ingredient. It doesn't make sense at times, but raise it in the fear, in the storm. If you didn't get anything out of today, I hope you just get that one thing. <laughs> Don't fear don't forecast in fear. I'm going to run through a few quick scriptures that can get, continue to reinforce what we just talked about, these ingredients to build this heavenly cake so you don't have to deal with forecasting and fear in your life. John 14, 27. I'm just going to start reading them. Peace I leave with you, my peace. Not worldly peace, right? I do not give to you as the world gives it. So totally separate as we know from the world. Do not lend your hearts to be troubled and do not be afraid. Reassurance of a loving God. David said this, Psalms 46.10, Be still. Sometimes we just need to be still and know that I am God. Psalm 34.4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Peter talks about 1 Peter 5.6-7, Humble yourselves. Sometimes we skip over and go over the comma there. Humble yourselves. When you got things running around, elements of a storm brewing, make sure you're in a position of being humble. Humble's help, being humble helps. So humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he will lift you up in due time and cast all your anxieties, cast them on him because he cares for you. Avoiding to be a slave to fear, Romans eight fifteen, 
The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. So we're free from that. So that you live, so that you don't live in fear again. The spirit you received brought you about unto adoption, to sonship, to daughtership, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Sometimes you just, some of you just need to cry, Abba, Father. So we have crazy times ahead again. Elements will form in our personal lives and our cultures, and we'll be a lot of knocks on the doors. But know your ingredients to not be near at all and forecast in fear. Know how much God loves you, that perfect love. Forecast in faith, but make sure you're grounded in his love. Pray and raise those hallelujahs whenever, even in the middle of a storm if it does come through. In our unknowns, our insecurities, and even in the ability to share our faith, don't forecast in fear. Don't give that, you know, in the things you can control, use God's grace to help you control. And the things you can't control, what we just learned in Peter, cast your cares upon him. You have no control over some of these things we fear about. You know, real quickly, Paul wrote a letter to Timothy. We know this. And he was in jail. I think Pastor John was talking about this last week, you know, what Paul wrote about in jail. But he writes to Timothy, forecasting what he's going to experience and what we are going to experience as believers. I'll just paraphrase it. It's it's a mess. <laughs> it basically says people are going to be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful pride, abusive, disobedient to their parents, without love, unforgiving, slanderers. These are people that we're going to encounter every day, and it may even be us at times if we're not careful. But he brings an outcome. God will rescue us. God will rescue us. If we hold faith to our scripture and the word of God that we should be reading every day, And don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood. This is all spiritual. Hope you got something out of this today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. So much for your perfect love. Because we do know it casts out fear. And we're going to walk in this. If there's anybody here in this room or online, Father God that is struggling with this, where they do tend to lend a forecast in fear, Lord, when, when clouds form around them, circumstances in their life form around them. Lord, just be that loud voice in their spirit through your Holy Spirit to have them look towards you, to be the perfect Father because of your perfect love. Let them see your arms open towards them to embrace them to cover them to dispel all their despair all their fears those struggling let them step out now and make a commitment that they will take the inventory of their life and any of these knocking things that come against their life that could be fear at the door and say Satan I will not invite these fears into my life but I will receive a loving father into my life. We just thank you that you continue to grow that in each and every one of us where they need to be because you have a great purpose for our life to help build your kingdom on this earth. If we do that in your word, it says 
We will live an abundant life because you will provide every other need that we ever need if we seek your kingdom first, Father God. Thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen.